0: There it is. Okay, anyways, yeah, my name is Jonathan. Um, Welcome to RUF. I'm glad you're here. Um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. RUF is a place where we want all of NMSU to be welcome. It's a place where we want um, Christians who are world-weary, weary weary in their faith to come and feel like they have a place to rest. A place where we can worship. Isn't that great worship, y'all? That's awesome. Thank you all to worship, team. And we also want RUF to be a place where... Skeptics can come and ask hard questions about faith and life um, and how the two interact. So um, since this is our first week back, I mean our second week back, um, I want to say a real quick welcome to everybody and um, say that pressure is going to start building. College, college students have tons of pressure, and I know that you have tons of pressure, and so we want RUF to be a place where that pressure can sort of diffuse for a couple of hours. Um, so, if you have thoughts on that, um, we'd love to hear it, and I'd love to meet with you and talk more about what RUF is, um, how we're trying to reach NMSU, and how we can better serve you. So, this semester, we are working through um, the book of 1 John. Um, we got started last week. Our sermon series this semester is called, By This We Know Love. Um, and so, what we're asking ourselves is, man, we live in a culture that really needs love. We need to live in a place that is desperately asking, What is love? How do we know love better? How can we love our world better? How can we love our friends better? How can we love our roommates, our family? What is the love that we give them that we give to these people? And so it 's a hard question, and John has a lot to say to us, and so what we 're trying to do is work through slowly this book and see what it says about love and how it applies to our lives. And so last week, we talked about how God is this person. God is this being that is completely above us. He's completely transcendent. He exceeds us in every possible way. And yet that God slowly and incredibly comes down into a human form in such a way that we can touch, well, that the disciples can touch, and so that he can be seen and felt. And then ultimately that this is an incredible, incredible act of love, that this downward motion that God does Is this act of love that God shows us. I love you so much that I'm willing to become one of you. And so we continue that this week. We continue looking at what does it look like when God loves us. So last week we talked about God loving us by God becoming man. And this week we're going to start talking about love as God deals with our greatest failure. Our greatest failure to love. That is our sin. Um, So this week we have a problem. Sin, And we're going to see how God loves us in the midst of that. So with that, I want to dig into the text and we'll make some observations on it. So um, I'm reading 1 John chapter 5, I mean chapter 1 verses 5 to 10. So follow along with me in your bulletins. This is God's word. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for being with us here tonight. Spirit, thank you for coming into this place. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts on this next few minutes will be accepting and pleasable, pleasing in your sight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So remember what we said last week. We said that John is coming and saying, I have big news to proclaim to you. I've got great big news that I have to tell you. God is with us. Well, here this week, he switches just a little bit and he still says, I'm proclaiming something to you. He still says, I have, but this time he says, I have a message. This is the message we have heard from him. And again, he's proclaiming it. He's saying, we proclaim this to you. And what is the substance of that message? Well, he says, God is light. God is light. What does he mean by that? That's kind of a confusing statement. God is light. But it's actually one of the most important statements is to get our our minds around as we begin moving forward, as we continue beginning to move forward into this book of 1 John and to begin to understand what love is. This is core that we understand what John means when he says God is light. And so I'm going to spend a a decent amount of time tonight talking about what he means here. And I want to talk about God is light in two ways. Two ways I want to talk about it. First, I want to say when God is light, he is the beauty that we need. And second, I want to say that God is light, that means he is also the authority that we reject. God is light means that he is the beauty that we need and the authority that we reject. So first, the beauty that we need. So, for the last 10 years of my life, I have lived in big cities. I lived in New York City, which is like the big city. It's the Big Apple. I lived there for six years. And so, it's a really big city. It's really bright. I don't know if if any of you have ever been to Times Square. Uh, At night, um, literally, Times Square is as bright as day. Like, you can see everything as if it was day in, in, in Times Square. And it's actually a real trick trying to fall asleep there because it never gets dark enough to fall asleep, and so, like, your circadian rhythm is thrown off, and it's a real challenge to fall asleep in New York City. And then um, the last couple of years, I lived in St. Louis, Missouri, also a really big city, also full of streetlights. And so, again, it was hard for me to fall asleep. It's very difficult to get dark enough. Um, So I was, like, being a poor graduate student hanging towels over my windows to try and, you know create some darkness and then I moved to New Mexico <laughs> and I remember I remember four weeks ago I was driving down here and I was driving in my, my 4Runner and it was loaded down with my stuff I had a trailer with a bunch of stuff in the back and I'm hurling down I-25 late at night about 70 miles an hour and I've got these headlights that can see about 20-25 feet in front of me and I'm thinking to myself there's no, there's no street lights on you know, in the interstate up there and I'm thinking like if something comes out at me, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to stop. Like, I'm just going straight through it. And it was a kind of terrifying thought. I was like, I'm, re- I'm totally at the mercy of God right now. Or, like, it, 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 I encounter this every night that I'm driving home. I live off of Stern. Some of you know Stern Boulevard. If I'm driving out at night, I tell you, I miss that turn every single time. <laughs> Because I don't see it. Like, I got my lights on. I I cannot see the turn. So I'm like, I swing way out to (laughs) to try and get the turn because it's so dark. And you know what? That made me realize how dark it is here at night. And it made me realize that in a really dark place, how badly we need light. We need light. We desperately need it for our survival. It's key to our survival. If we didn't have light... Imagine what our lives would be like. We could not get by. Like we would, It just wouldn't be unpleasant. We couldn't survive. Light is, we, light is something we need. Imagine driving down the road at 70 miles an hour without light. It's not going to happen. You will die. You, <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> but not only is light something that we need, it's also a source of great comfort. It's a, it's a source of great beauty. Without light film students will tell you this. We couldn't have film. We couldn't have photography. We couldn't have art. So light is also this source of beauty that we really, really love and we preach. So light, light is this beauty that we need. And that's, that's beginning to get at what John gets at here when he says God is light. He says that first God is the safety spotlight that we need to navigate through life. He's that desert headlight that we need to drive. He's this beautiful thing that we are drawn to. That we say, I need this light just so I can get by. That I can survive. But, but that's not also all it means that when it says God is light. I also said that God is light also means that he is the authority that we reject. The authority that, I re- that we reject. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, this is what John means. He says, if God is light, then he alone is the authority... For good and evil, for wrong and right, for truth and false in the world, he—if God is the light, then John is speaking on more of a metaphorical level. Also, he's saying God is the only source of right and wrong in our universe, and so in that sense, God is light is not some sort of flashlight that we can use to shine around and see. God is more like a spotlight, and I use analogous analogy language. God is like a spotlight that we have to follow, that tells us what's true. And when a light reveals something, it's, it's, ultimate what's tr- it's ultimate truth. We don't look at a light or look at what a light reveals and go, oh, that's subject to interpretation, or that's just your idea of it. No, what a light reveals is absolutely true, and there's no debating it. So when, God, when John says God is light, he's saying that God has the final say in what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil. That means that with God is light, that means that God has the right to tell us everything that has to do with every piece of our life, including our sexuality, including how we think about economics and social structure, including how we think about politics, including how we think about our relationships with other people, God is the one who begins to say, this is how you organize your life. And we don't really like it when people tell us what to do, do we? When someone says, you listen to me, you have no choice in the matter, what do we do? We say, whoa, who are you? Who are you to tell us what to do? And so in that, we see that we tend to push back at authority that's making this hugely authoritative final claim. So God is both the light that we desperately need, the beauty that we need, but he's also this authority, this final authority that we tend to reject. And so what do we do when we hear that that message? We hear this idea that God is light. Well, I think there's two possible responses that John gives us. And so we'll, we'll talk about them as like two different people, person A and person B. Person A, let's say they hear this message that God is light that John says. God is light. And this person says, yeah, I'm down with that. I can agree with that. I'm down. And then proceeds to live their life however they want. They go around and they do whatever they want. And that's what John is getting at here when he says in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, that is, if we say, yeah, I acknowledge, that I, that he's, I acknowledge this, I have fellowship with God, but, or while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, what does John mean when he says we walk in darkness? Well, let me think, let me try to put it this way in an example. Let's say you have a family. You have a family and it has two sets of siblings. And the older one says, yeah, I'm in this family. I'm a member of this family. I show up to family dinners. I show up on holidays. I show up in family pictures. I'm in this family. I'm in fellowship with this family. But then when no one's watching, let's say that he's really cruel to his little sister Let's say he beats her up. Let's say he belittles her. Let's say he's absolutely cruel to her. And as an aside, I'm, I'm sure that it'll room this size, so that's happened to some of you. And if that brings up some things for you, that's awful, and I'm sorry. And if you want to talk about that, um, I'd like to be a safe person to talk to, or um, I can point you in some directions. So, um, because that's not, that's not a good thing. But... Um, but is this, is this person who's, who's beating up his little sister, is he really a part of the family? No. Of course he's not a part of the family. His actions are the exact opposite of what he's claiming. He's saying, I'm in this family, but he's doing everything that would say that he's not a part of this family. So, And then John is making the same thing, the same he's using the same thing to talk about our relationship with God. He's saying, if you say, oh yes, I'm religious, I'm a Christian, but then you consistently live a lifestyle that purposefully denies that, John, and I think we would have to agree, would have to say, no, you're lying by your actions. So John would say to this person A, he would say to person A, you can't, don't claim to be a Christian, and then have a lifestyle that proves otherwise. Your actions and your behavior should prove your beliefs. Your actions should support what you say. And I think we all, we, this is pretty common sense to us to say, if someone says, I believe in, the env- I believe in protecting the environment, but then is trashing the environment, sure, they must not, I mean, do we say they're lying? Or if someone says, I value honesty and hard work, but then is cheating on tests, they, they clearly don't value honesty and hard work. Or if someone says they value women, or they value other people, but then they speak badly about them, or they manipulate them for their own selfish gain, How can they possibly say that? How can they possibly mean that? We have a word for this in our language. We we call it a hypocrite. It's when you say one thing and do another, and it's incredibly unloving. In fact, it might be the definition of unloving is to be inconsistent between what you say and what you do. So John is saying here that there should be an alignment between what we claim we believe and how we act. So this is a challenge for us. If, if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, your lifestyle should reflect what Jesus says. Your lifestyle should begin to show what Jesus says. And that is the beginning of love. And so some of you may be thinking, that's not love. That's not, love is not about following rules. Love is about accepting me for who I am, not making me change. But I would ask, is, it re- is that really what love is? If you have a best friend and you tell them, I value my relationship with you, but then you trash them behind their back, do you really love them? Or if I told my wife, I said, Caroline, I love you, but then I was out at a bar looking at for other women, do I actually love her? No. There's this alliance between what we say and what we do. And that's what walking in darkness is, is you say... I have fellowship with God. I'm a Christian, but then you're actually doing things that are the exact opposite. That's hypocrisy. John says it a different way in verse eight. He says, "If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." So here, John introduces this idea of sin, and he says he takes it one step further. Part of sin in Christian in Christian thought is that it's that hypocrisy of saying one thing and doing another. But it's actually more than that. A sin is actually a rejection of God's authority. Sin is not just being hypocritical. It's actually, it's, it's, it's worse than that. Sin is saying, I'm not a sinner. I'm a decent person. I don't do what's bad. I do my best to treat others around me with respect. And John is saying, no, that's impossible. We all have this tendency to reject God's authority. We all have this tendency to, do one thi- to say one thing and to do another. Jesus said in one, of, in, the gospel, in one of his Gospels, in the Gospel of John, he says, the light, and there he's referring to himself, the light has come into the world and the people have loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So we naturally want to reject that authority. We want to reject fellowship with God. That rejection is sin. And that's what John is calling us out for. Rejection is sin, both of God of his... his both of God as light, but also living in a lifestyle that's contrary to him. So the first question is, there should be an alignment between what you claim and what you do. We all have areas in our lives where we say, this isn't sin. This is okay. I'm all right here. Don't, don't judge me here. But love starts with being honest about that. It says, actually... I'm more messed up than I thought I was. I'm more broken than I expected. So that's person A, someone who says, I'm okay, I'm all right, don't look at me, don't judge me. I reject God's authority. I'm, not a, I'm, I'm, I'm good. But then person B, let's look at person B. This is the person who says, and I know this is some of us, I know this is me many days, that says, man, I want to be a Christian But I have so much brokenness in my life. I see the areas and the places where I reject God. How can I possibly walk in the light? I know some of us, I know some of you say, I know I'm a sinner. How can I possibly be a Christian? My actions prove that I'm not a sinner. I'm not a Christian. Because I did X and I did Y and I did Z this week. I did all these things. And that's what John must be saying here. He says, if you walk in darkness, how can you be a Christian? I remember reading this verse when I was young, and when I was in college even, and thinking, well, I remember I did this, and this is not walking in the light, so I must be a liar and I must not be a Christian. I remember doing that. And so maybe, maybe you're there tonight. Maybe you see yourself as that failure, that Christian that who's just like, I don't know how I'm a Christian. You feel like you've messed up too badly again And so you're just beating yourself up. Even with this, you're saying, look what this text says. How can I be a Christian with this? Maybe you feel dirty. You feel like you've sinned too badly. But I want to look again at what John is saying here. Notice that John does not say if you have sin in your life, then you are not a Christian. He does not say that anywhere in this text. We all have sin in our lives. That's part of being a Christian. That's part of being a Christian. What John is saying here is that if you say that you do not have sin. Or if you claim to be a Christian but then are inconsistent in how you live, that's when there's a problem. John is not, hear me say this, John is not writing this so that you can beat yourself up about what you've done this week. John is not writing this so that you can say, I must not be a Christian because I sinned. That is not why he's saying that. So what do we do if we do beat ourselves up? If we find ourselves saying, if you're that person sitting here saying, what do I do? What do I do? Well, look at verse 7 with me. What does verse 7 says? But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So we said earlier, if walking in darkness is a consistent rejection of God's authority then walking in the light must be the opposite. It must be saying, I need the light. I'm hurling down I-25 and I don't have my lights on and I desperately need Christ in my life. I desperately need something to fix this problem. And it's at that moment when you say, yes, I am a sinner. I desperately need God. It's at that moment. What does it say? He is faithful and just to forgive us. He is faithful and just. That means faithful. He'll do it every time, every single time. Just. That means that when he does it, it's complete. It's done. His forgiveness is complete. But not only does God forgive us, he cleanses us from unrighteousness. Sin sin is like a giant black stain on our clothes, and it pollutes our lives and it pollutes our fellowship. It's like when you go and you see a good friend or someone that you really respect and you've got this giant stain on you so much so that you're embarrassed to be around them. You're like, uh, I don't know what my, clo- my, my clothes are, are filthy and I don't know what to do with you. That's what sin does to us. It pollutes us and it makes us ashamed. But what does it say when we confess? God not only forgives us, but he cleanses us. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. God takes the guilt of sin and He forgives it. He takes the stain of sin and He cleanses it. Let me say that again. God takes the guilt of sin and He forgives it. And He takes the stain of sin and He cleanses it. So that it's as if when God is done with us, it's as if we'd never sinned. It's as if when He looks at us, He sees Jesus Christ who is perfect and holy spotless and holy. That's what God sees when he looks at us because of what he's done here. So for person B, this person who feels afflicted and beat up in their Christian life, the simplicity of the gospel is to just say, I am a sinner and confess it and then trust that God is faithful and come just to forgive us our sins. So please don't afflict yourself. Don't beat yourself up. In fact, I want this passage to be a banner passage so that this week, if, you're, if you feel like you can't, you're, you're a bad Christian, or you're not a Christian, this is the first place that you go. This is the first place that you go. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. That is truth, my friends. That is truth that, God, that, John, has to pres- pres- that John proclaims to us. This is a major tenet about the Christian faith, that Christianity is not about sin management. Christianity is not about you piecing together your life morally and ethically. And so you say, okay, I was okay this week. I didn't do anything bad. I, I managed my sin. I kept it on tap. No. Christianity is about saying, admitting to, to yourself and to God, I can never be a good enough. I can never possibly Be good enough before God. And all I can do is trust that Christ's goodness is enough and that that is enough. That is what walking in the light is. That is what walking in the light is, is consistently relying on Jesus' goodness for our life. So that should prompt two questions for us. It should prompt the question of which person am I right now? Which person are you right now? My person A... Am I someone who says, I have no sin? Can you really admit that? Can you really admit that to yourself? But then there's also person B who says, I have too much sin. I'm beat up. by my. And the question is there, is Jesus' blood enough to forgive? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. So how does this bring us back to our theme of by this we know love that we're working through? Well, first I want us to see how incredible, how amazing Jesus' love is towards us. That He would literally kill His Son so that we can be sinless. Romans 5 tells us, God demonstrates His love towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That is the first starting place as John is continuing to build this case on what love is. He's telling us, that love starts with understanding what God has done towards us to love us. And then he builds up from there. He builds up from there. And John is building this foundation. He's laying the foundation for love. And he's going to start building out, as we see in the coming weeks, of, okay, if this is where we start with love for one another, how do we? St- I mean, love with God, how do we start loving one another? Last week we saw that love starts with God becoming man. This week we see that love starts with God cleansing us from sin. And as we go on, we continue to see how God continues to love us, empowers us, and sends us out to love one another. What great love is that? What great love is that? Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you for your great love. Thank you that you have shown us what love is, that you are moving closer to us to solve us in the midst of all of our brokenness. Father, help us to see this great love. Help us to see that we are broken, that we are that hypocrite, that we are desperately in need of your love. But also, Father, don't let us beat ourselves up in that. Let us simply rest in your goodness, in your beauty, and trust that you are sufficient in all of that. Show us your love in a new way this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.